good morning. How are we doing? Oh, see, that was a great, great welcome. It's so good to be here with you. In case you were expecting Pastor Aaron, I am not he. We have a joke that he's from Arkansas or like Oklahoma or somewhere out west. It's just a different um, accent, but it's good to be here with you. My name is Josh, and uh, my family and I attend the Montrose campus. They actually surprised me, and they, they're actually here in the back with us this morning, so um, we're glad to be here. Last time I was here in Vestal, you guys were only at one service, so you guys have grown, so good job, Vestal. I... I like to say that I am one of the few people at Bridgewater, I'm kind of like the pinch hitter when the pastor needs a, a vacation or something, I come in. I'm one of the few people at Bridgewater that has actually preached at every one of the campuses. And I will say that Tonkanic has three services, so you guys are up. Um, it's good to be here with you. If you're just jumping in to our series or if you're visiting with us, you picked a great week to come. We're looking at the story and the Christmas story and how it kind of, uh, a lot of it is unlikely. Uh, last week we talked about Mary and the unlikely events that were surrounding that moment. I mean, I have a teenage daughter. Imagine your teenage daughter comes to you and says, guess what? I'm a virgin and I'm having a baby. That's unlikely, right? And how would you respond when an unlikely event comes into your life. And today, we're going to jump into part of the story that I'm just going to be, we got a lot of kids here, but I'm going to use a four-letter word, all right? And if you're visiting with us at Bridgewater, you might be like, what on earth is about to happen? We're going to talk about wait, waiting, who here likes to wait? Nobody, right? We all hate waiting. We don't want to wait for Starbucks, right? There's three people in front of you. Seriously, they can't open another register, right? I mean, we don't want to wait for Mr. or Mrs. Wright, right? We don't want to wait for, for our, our, our job to change, for our boss to give us that promotion that we deserve, Maybe we don't like waiting for that cure or that diagnosis. We don't like to wait. And so today, I want to start off by telling you a little bit of my story and my family's story. My son, my youngest son, was born on July 24th, 2006. And I know what you're thinking, Josh, there's no possible way that you have a 17-year-old son. I know, right? <laughs> He's actually my youngest. So, but he was born, and a few, few weeks, a few months after that, our lives changed um, as my wife began to experience uh, postpartum depression. And a lot of you know what that is and how dark of a time that can be. I will be honest, I didn't know. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that it was hard. And, and the, the days and the weeks and the months were very, very difficult. And we realized after a common grace of doctors and counselors and medicine that 
my wife and pregnancy didn't really mix. But yet we wanted more kids. And so we didn't really know what to do. And so we waited. And a few years after my son was born, my uh, sister-in-law, my wife's sister, she went on a missions trip. And it was an extensive missions trip. And she was gone for about 11 months. And during that time, she went to an orphanage in China. And this is where she met Z. And this is my sister-in-law, and that's Z. And Z was in a, a special needs orphanage that was operated by South Africans, run by an American in China. So just kind of let, let that sink in for a second. But we found out two things about Z. One was that he had Down syndrome, and two was that he needed a mom and a dad. And so my wife and I and our family, we began the process of adoption. Now that phrase, process of adoption, for some of you, you know a little bit about what that, what that involves. But a lot of us maybe didn't know or don't know what it was. The process of adoption is a lot of paperwork. Think about any time you've had to file paperwork with the government, like you want to build a deck, right? How many, paperwork, how many pieces of paper do you have to file just to build a deck? Well, we were trying to add a human being to our family, so you can imagine. That was just the United States of America side. We were also working with the Chinese side. So we were filing papers and we were starting interviews and documentation, getting all of that going. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It was hard. Our, our agency, they told us, they said, uh, Josh, Katie, this is going to take a long time. Like It takes some of these people years. And you know what my response was? Bet. I'm going to do it faster. You know why? Because I'm a fixer. I, I see a problem and I want to address it. And I run straight headlong into that problem and I want to fix it. And so I began to try to push things. And you know that expression, slow boat to China? That's a real thing. There was actually one part of our process that literally it had to get on a boat and it had to go to China. So it's a real thing. It's slow. No matter how much I paid to expedite things, no matter how much I pushed the process along, it couldn't go any faster. I remember one time I had to get a copy of my birth certificate. I was born on, um, on an Air Force base in Duluth, Minnesota. And I remember I had to contact the, the State Department in, in Duluth. And they had to reprint a copy of my birth certificate. And I needed it to go from that office to another office in Duluth, Minnesota. And wouldn't you know it, it was literally in the same building. So I thought, it's going to happen. They're going to take said piece of paper, and they're going to walk it down and hand deliver it, right? Because that's how our government works. No! They put that puppy in a mail envelope, and it left the building for three days. And then it came back. Three doors down. 
No matter how much I tried, days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, knowing the holidays, knowing the the special occasions that we were missing, the birthdays that we were missing for our child, all because of paperwork during this time to oversimplify it, we learned some amazing lessons. One of the biggest lessons that I learned that kept resonating in my head, despite all of my questions, despite all of my doubts, despite all of the unlikely situations, I kept bouncing around in my head that God is using my, my waiting for my good. Let me say it again for the people in the back. God is using your waiting for your good. That's just the thing, right? He's always up to something. He's revealing things in your heart and in my heart, preparing me for that moment. Even when it felt unlikely, God was moving. And as we look at the Christmas account in Luke chapter 2, we can see all of these unlikely events that stack up where we can say, certainly... God was moving. For nearly 400 years prior to Luke chapter 2, the people of Israel were experiencing what was called the the silent years, meaning that God vocally, personally, was not interacting with them. Now, please note, that doesn't mean that God disappeared, that God took a vacation. God was just moving in a different way. But for 400 years, what they were used to experiencing was no longer the case. And we pick up in Luke chapter 2 as they are now experiencing the promise fulfilled. Because for generations, they had been being told that the deliverer was coming. The Savior was coming. The Messiah was coming. And we pick up in Luke chapter 2 that this promise is now fulfilled. Now, we're going to jump in towards the back half of Luke chapter 2. So don't worry, we are going to talk about the... Uh, what my kids call the longest minute and a half of their life as we read, you know, the Luke chapter 2 Christmas story. Some of you guys read that. And and it's torture, right? We're going to jump past that and we're going to look at two characters. We're going to look at Simeon and Anna. And as we look at Simeon and Anna, I want us to begin to think about our times of waiting. Because no matter how old you are in here today, I can guarantee one thing. You have waited for something. What are you supposed to do when you're waiting? Well, we're going to look at Simeon and then Anna, and we're going to learn how we should model our lives after them and how we can wait more effectively. In chapter 25 of Luke chapter 2, we read this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, and he was a righteous and devout And was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. 
So, so Simeon had received this promise that he was not going to die until he had seen and experienced the Deliverer, the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus. That's a pretty good promise, right? So let's, let's speculate, okay? So allow me to speculate. That promise wasn't given to him like three days before that moment, right? Can we, can we all speculate and agree that it was likely given to him sometime? And we don't exactly know how old Simeon was, but we were told that he was devout and righteous. And those are two words that generally don't uh, describe a young man. They, they describe a man who has been living his life a particular way. And he was devout and, and righteous. And this is what I can understand from Simeon, is that his waiting revealed his character. His waiting revealed who he was in his core, his character. Because we can understand this, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Even when God's timing feels unlikely, we can actively rest in God's promises. We can actively rest in the promises that God gave us. Even when your spouse changing, even when your spouse changing seems highly unlikely. Even when your friend coming to know the Lord is unlikely. Even when your circumstances changing just seem highly unlikely, you can rest in the promises of God. What promises of God? How can I rest in the promises of God? Well, this is some of the things that God says, certainly not an exhaustive list, but God says he will never leave you or forsake you. He's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all come to an understanding of who he is. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He's going to provide for your every need. God loves you. He has plans for you. He has plans for your good, for your hope, for your future. So day after day, month after month, year after year, we see that Simeon kept trusting and kept waiting until one day, in verse 27, that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all the people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people. Finally, God's promise was delivered, delivered and Simeon got to experience the joy of God's faithfulness. Simeon's waiting revealed what he believed to be true about God. Because waiting reveals what you believe. Waiting reveals what you believe and what you believe in. What you trust in. What your confidence is in. Because God has kept his promises before. 
And guess what? I'm going to spoiler alert. He's going to continue to keep his promises. He's going to continue to keep his promises even when it's highly unlikely. God will continue to keep his promises. So, something to think about. What does your waiting, when you're waiting for something, we've already established that we've all experienced waiting and likely we're all presently waiting for something. So what does your waiting reveal about what you believe? And maybe secondly, how can you actively rest or actively wait like Simeon did? Because understand this, Simeon wasn't static. He wasn't idle. He was a very active waiter. He was an active participant in waiting because we see that he continued. He kept listening to God. He kept on obeying God. He listened to God when God said, hey, go to the temple today. And so he went. He continued to obey God. He continued to rest in his promises of what God said because God said he was going to do it, so he expected him to. And what he realized was that the timing of that promise was not up to him. It was up to God. It was up to God to determine the timing of that promise. This is how we should actively wait and actively rest when timing seems unlikely. Notice that waiting is active. And all the fixers, we rejoice, right? Because none of us, if you're a fixer in here, none of us like to sit on our hands, right? Just, I'm just waiting. I'm like, I'm waiting. I got to do something. Let's, let's, do something because I got to fix it, right? Waiting is active, not passive. So we looked at Simeon. Now let's look at Anna. Anna, you might describe her, her life as being filled with difficulty. We're told in these verses that we're about to read that after about seven years of marriage, she was widowed. And some of us know how difficult that would be today. But in that day and age, it was even more significant. And, and again, let me, allow me to speculate a little bit. Most people, most uh, uh, marriages in those days, the woman would be in her late teens and at, at latest early 20s. So let's, let's speculate that she was married at 20 years old and by 27, she was a widow. And so let's read, starting in verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. And she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. So she is described as being... Very old. Now, I am smart enough to know that when you encounter a woman who is, has experienced a full life, you do not use, and if you're, if you're new to this idea, do not describe them as very old. That's just not smart, all right? So, but this is what Dr. Luke decides that he wants to describe her as very old. And so, how else did he describe her? That she was bitter. She was angry. 
God dealt her a tough hand, right? No, that's not at all what we see because as we continue to read in Luke, it says this, she never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. And she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. She was waiting for God's deliverance. And when he showed up, she knew exactly who it was who he was. Luke tells us, you know, Luke says, well, then she sat around and she watched Netflix and was scrolling on Instagram, um, liking the different cat videos. No, that's not at all what she did. She was doing, she started off by being in the church, in the temple, day and night. Now, I'm just going to put this disclaimer. Pastor Aaron probably would have a little bit of an issue if you were like, I'm not leaving. I'm staying here day and night. night. I mean, you might end up with a job, but you know, he, that's what she did day and night. Why? Because she was expecting God's promises to be fulfilled. So she waited. And how did she wait? Well, she waited with praise and worship. She, she waited with fasting. She waited while praying for the deliverer to come. Because if you're taking notes, even when God's timing feels unlikely, we can actively wait with praise, with fasting, and with prayer. When I, when I have to wait, I find it very easy to be focused on the complaint, the frustration, the, the trying to fix it myself. She waited decades for this to be fulfilled. Not only was she having to trust God to provide for her as a widow, but she was trusting God that his promise of redemption, his promise of the deliverer, his promise of a savior, she trusted that that was going to happen. And she waited. So what would it look like in your life or in my life if we actively waited on God? Well, if we model ourselves like Anna, we would start with praise or with worship. And for me... That might mean stop listening to podcasts when you're in the car and start listening to worship music. Start turning my, my focus off of myself but onto God's faithfulness of what he has done and what he has promised. Maybe for you another area you can add is the area of fasting, which ironically is the practice of removing something. Couple of years, maybe a year ago, we did a great sermon series on this idea of fasting. Fasting is taking something from your day, something from your routine, and filling that void with the message of God. Maybe for you, the practice of fasting is going to help you actively wait. And the third thing that we see for Anna's life that we can actively wait and we can participate in is praying. Praying is offering our desires to God with the hope that our desires begin to match His. 
I'm going to pray expectantly for what he promises. Anna's life reminds me of Philippians chapter 4 where Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. He says, always be full of joy. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are, that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Actively waiting does not mean that we are trying to grab the reins of our life and we say, I'm going to control this. I got this, God. God, while you're off on the sidelines, I got this. That's not what actively waiting is. But then equally, actively waiting isn't, I really need money for, to pay my bills, so God, let's go. Right? It's not expecting that handout. It's not saying, I, I want my kids to grow up to love God. Oh, a Hallmark movie. No, actively waiting means we are a participant. We are pursuing the things of God, waiting while we obey his commands. We're waiting for God to do what he's going to do. In the meantime, we change to be more like him. We change like Paul said in 1 Thessalonians. We're always joyful. We never stop praying. Have you ever thought about what that would look like in your life if you never stopped praying? The psalmist says we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is what active waiting can look like in your life. I remember during those 14 months as we waited for the finalization of uh, the adoption of Z, I remember being anxious, impatient, irritable. I remember getting bitter and even angry at times, but time after time, God reminded us that he called us to be the parents of this boy. He, he reminded us of his provision, like how in one day, one day, God funded the entire adoption cost, which was over $30,000. In one day, God provided in our lives for us to bring Z home. Moments like that allow us to praise, to, to rejoice, to worship I know that your situation of waiting is the worst. I know that because all of waiting is the worst. Any part of it is miserable. But think of the joy that Simeon and Anna experienced when Jesus showed up. For 400 years they waited. And he showed up and think of the joy that they experienced. And on a super small scale, I can appreciate that a little bit because for 14 months we waited for Z and then we showed up in this government building in China and in runs Z. And this is the first picture of the three of us together. My son was here. 
So in your life, when things seem unlikely, maybe we need to realize that this is an opportunity for God to change you and to work for your good. Earlier this week, it was probably actually the end of the week, last week, my daughter, uh, who's a, she's a senior at Mansfield University, she texted me, and, and some of you have teenage daughters. They're not dramatic at all, and mine is definitely not dramatic at all. She texted me, Dad! I get these texts every once in a while, and she actually told me I could say this, so it's her own fault. Um, she texted me, Dad! And I know two things are about to happen. It's either going to be really good news or it's going to be the end of the world and it's really bad news. Now, she had been waiting for some scholarship monies to hit her account. And she was kind of lamenting that process. And, you know, being the, the spiritual father, I, I tried to advise her that, you know, God is working. And she responded with, I don't like waiting. And I'm like, Tree, apple, right? Welcome to being an adult. Waiting stinks. But she was waiting for this scholarship money to hit her account, and, and I was actually studying for this sermon, and uh, Pastor Aaron had sent me the, 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 the text and the idea maybe a day or two before, and so I sent her Luke chapter 2, the story of Simeon. And I could show you the text message. It's great. She said this. She said, she said, Simeon waited his whole life, and I'm only waiting a couple of days. And then she said, it puts things into perspective. How, how long we wait, and how, how significant these things are, and God knows the big things, and God knows the, the small things. And praise God, she got scholarship this week, and it more than covered her bill, and she's walking away with a, a credit. So God works even when things don't look like it, God works. Even when it's unlikely that you're going to leave college with no debt, God is at work. So what have you been waiting for? What do you need to trust him with today? Is it your future? Is it your finances? Is it your family? How can you actively wait on God for those things? What act of obedience do you need to begin to add to your life? Is it, is it praising and worshiping Him more? Is it fasting, removing something so that you can focus on Him more? Is it praying and, and, and hoping your desires and praying for your desires to become like His? And what lessons is God trying to teach you today? while you wait. For some today, I would, I would imagine that God has been waiting on you to wait for him. You see, for, for so long, you've been holding the reins of your life saying, I've got this. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody else. And God is waiting for you to realize that everything you've tried to do on your own doesn't work. It won't work. And God is waiting for you to give up the reins, to give up the control of your life and put your trust 
in him because he sent his son Jesus to be the Savior. Not, not just of Simeon and Anna, but of you and me. That's who Jesus is. And did you realize that likely when you make that decision to give up the control of your life and to trust Jesus for your salvation, I would almost imagine there's somebody in this room or somebody uh, close by that right now they're waiting. They're waiting for God to work in your life. And they're waiting. And they're, when that happens, they're going to rejoice like Simeon and Anna, that you have given up the control and you have placed your faith and trust in him and you've experienced the salvation that they were waiting for. That's the effect of your decision. So allow us, as, as we close in prayer, to, to prepare our hearts for what God is going to do through us. What does he want you to put your faith and trust in him for? Let's pray. God, you're a good God, and we thank you for your love. And, and God, we don't deserve it. There's not a person in here who could say that they deserve your love. But yet you give it freely. And God, for some reason, you give us the opportunity to experience salvation that only comes from you. God, this morning as we as we close out this time, God, I pray that if there's someone here who does not yet know what it means to experience the salvation that comes through your son Jesus, that today would be that day that they would find someone on the stage, that they would talk to Pastor Aaron, that they would talk to me, that they would find someone with a blue and white name tag, and they would say, I need to know what this salvation means. How can I give control of my life to God? God, today, even when things seem unlikely, may we experience your goodness. May we experience your love and your faithfulness to us. God, and we pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.